Now, I think it's fair to say that we're living in, in uncertain times right now. Um, first of all, there was COVID-19 and lockdown, all the uncertainty around that. We got through that, and then immediately there's the war in Ukraine and all the international geopolitical uh, instability. And we're feeling the effects of that now with the economy. Um, we've got inflation at an all-time high. The pounds are at an all-time low. Um, gas and electric bills, I'm sure you're well aware, due to go up double, maybe triple in price. Wages, I think, exceedingly low, whilst prices exceedingly high. And people are talking about this cost of living crisis. I mean, that's enough to be dealing, uh, dealing with. That's enough of uncertainty. And then this week, we lose our queen too. I mean, here was like one constant we did have through all this uncertainty, all this ups and all this change, and now she's gone as well. You know, the next time we're going to be singing the national anthem, it's going to be God Save the King. I'm not sure you've done it. It just sounds a bit weird. And you're thinking, my goodness, like another change, more uncertainty. So I wouldn't be surprised if you guys come here today, as, you know, as I come here today, feeling somewhat disorientated by just what's going on and disorientated about life and like anxious as we go into the winter months and you know, how are we going to pay for everything? And emotionally, you're mourning the loss of the queen. And perhaps you're thinking to yourself, I mean, what's coming next? It's just one thing after the next and after the next. And that's why I'm really excited that we're starting this you know, new sermon series in Luke's Gospel, which we're going to be looking at throughout this term in the run-up to winter. Because in this series, we're going to see that to be on the road with Jesus, which is what we've called this sermon series, to walk each day with Jesus Christ, is to have certain hope, it's to have real joy the possibility of that now, even when everything around us and circumstantially seems shaking and uncertain. And with that, an anchor for our soul as we walk each day with Jesus Christ. Now, in our passage today, this is the first in the series, the second section of Luke's Gospel from chapter 9 to chapter 19. Jesus wants us to be absolutely clear as we start this, part, this section of what it means to follow him, have right expectations from walking each day with Jesus Christ, and why it is worth doing so. Okay, it's quite hard-hitting, I think, from Jesus. This is the first two-thirds of the passage, so hold on, because the motivation and the worth it comes at the end. Okay, three things we're going to see. The call of Jesus, the commission of Jesus, and the joy of Jesus, okay? There's the motivation at the end. Let's start first with the call of Jesus. Two parts to this in verses 51 to 62. Count the cost, put Jesus first. Count the cost, this is verse 57. As they're walking along the road, a man said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, great, follow me. Let's get you signed up to our Inspire groups and what are your gifts and let's get you serving in church. No, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Wow. This man running up to Jesus reminds me a little bit of the Apostle Peter, you know, always running sort of headfirst into things, speak first, think later. I'll follow you wherever you go. 
And it seems that Jesus wants to make sure that this man knows what he is signing up to when it comes to following Jesus Christ. Because it is not easy being a follower of Jesus. You can say goodbye to a comfortable life. Even wild foxes have homes. Even the lowly sparrow, the birds, have creature comforts. But the Son of Man, the Son of God, Jesus, fully divine and fully human, even he has nowhere to lay his head throughout his ministry. Homeless. Now, are you sure you still want to follow me? Wherever I go. Did you notice at the start of the passage where Jesus is going? Verse 51, first part of this second section. It's the dominant theme throughout. Verse 51, as the time approached for Jesus to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Now, for those who know Luke's gospel, what's going to happen when he gets to Jerusalem? He's going to die. I will follow you wherever you go. All right, let's go to my death. When the famous Antarctic explorer Ernest Shackleton placed advertisement in the Times newspaper for an upcoming expedition, he wrote this, quite a famous thing, you may have heard it before. He wrote, people wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return, doubtful. I imagine that advertisement put many people off. But Shackleton you know, wanted people to be clear. If they're coming on this expedition, they knew what they were signing up for, and it was not going to be an easy life. And it was very dangerous, and it could lead in death. So it is with Jesus Christ and following him. For many Christians around the world today, following Jesus means serious persecution, disowned by their families, imprisonment, kidnapping, and even death. In certain parts of Nigeria, Mozambique, Colombia, Mexico, and Vietnam, today, Christian believers are having to flee their homes because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Now, the problem for us in the West, where we do still enjoy freedom of religion and belief in this country, and we should give thanks to God for it, but we are arguably too comfortable and arguably too much of the world's values in us, so that when difficulty do comes and persecution comes towards the church, even as a little kind, as it is coming increasingly so in this country, we think, well, something's gone wrong. That's not what I signed up for when I wanted to become a Christian. I was expecting my best life now. And Jesus says, count the cost. Can I ask, have you done that? Whether you're new to the Christian thing, looking into following Jesus, or been following Jesus for years, have you counted, what are your expectations for the Christian life, and how do your expectations match Jesus' expectations here? It's not going to be comfortable or easy. It's not meant to be. Jesus doesn't just want us to count the cost in this opening bit. He also wants us to put him first above anyone and anything else. I told you this was hard-hitting. In verses 59 to 62, two more anonymous men. Both of them want to follow Jesus Christ. 
but both of them want to do something else first. Verse 59, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Verse 61, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family, which you might think is quite reasonable. Bury my father, say goodbye. And Jesus' response, did you notice it in verse 60 and verse 62? Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. I've got an urgent mission for you. Go do it now. This is absolutely important and paramount and comes first before anything else. And Jesus says to the third man, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Oh my goodness, you don't put me first, you're not fit for service with me. How are you feeling now about following Jesus Christ? He must come first before anyone or anything else family commitments, work commitments. Any relationship, human relationship, any cultural custom of the day, you name it, Jesus says, I'm before it, follow me. Which I think is a really hard message for us to hear. We live in a time and place where the overwhelming cultural message you and I are hearing every day is the opposite, the very opposite. Follow yourself. Follow your feelings. You know best for you. You do you. So it's really hard for us to obey Jesus on this and put him first above everything else. And in some aspects of life, it can feel like we're going, it's just unpleasant to do so incredibly difficult. And so we're going against our very being. And Jesus says, follow me. Put me first. And he's not giving much motivation here, as I say, that will come later in this passage. But here to this man, hand to the plow. Don't turn back. This is life with me. So look, let me just make an observation here. Um, separate maybe to the text, that, that, that there, are, there are many important things that we do in life that don't feel good or pleasant. Telling the truth is often uncomfortable. Saving money is rarely pleasurable. Don't even get me started on exercise right now. I'm feeling it after my two weeks in Portugal. Just because something is unpleasant just because something doesn't feel right in the moment does not mean it is not good does not mean it is not the right thing to do if Jesus Christ is Lord as these two men do say and call him he is Lord of all Lord of everything knows best and wants best in every aspect of your life so put him first. Count the cost, put him first. That's the call of Jesus. Secondly, in verses 1 to 15 of chapter 10, we see the commission of Jesus. Let me read from verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. 
He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go. In other words, Jesus Christ, he doesn't just call us to follow him, but to go out on mission for him. Historically, people thought that, you know, if you just open the doors of the church and that the people will come in. I don't think that is true. I don't think that's ever been the case. People used to come because we had to go in this country. As soon as you didn't have to go, people don't go anymore. We don't wait for them to come here. We need to go out to where the people are. In our neighborhoods, in our streets, in our offices, where they hang out to share the message of Jesus with them. Jesus calls us as Christians to be like, well, not to be like reservoirs, just filling ourselves up, maybe each other as we come to church on Sunday with his love and his grace and his mercy, as important, as wonderful as that is. Christians are meant to be more like streams and rivers where the love and grace and mercy of Jesus Christ flow out of us as we live our lives Monday to Sunday and all the people that God puts in our lives. Sometimes people say to me, you know, I don't really know church people, but I mean, just think of all the people that God, think of the person you live next to, you're flat above or below you, or in the next room. Think of the person you work next to. Think of the person you sit next to on the bus, the tube, or wherever you're going. God is Lord of all. He has placed people in your life to go on mission to. Jesus says, go. As we go, we go in word and deed. Verse 9, did you notice that? Heal those who are ill and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. You may have heard the phrase, um, often attributed to Francis of Assisi, preach the gospel and if you need to, use words. Have you heard that? Complete nonsense, right? He never said that. He was a fine preacher. Faith comes from hearing the message of Christ, Romans 10. People need to hear about Jesus. People need to hear about his life, his death, his resurrection. People need to hear about his offer of forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Spirit through faith in him. We go in word or it's not mission. But we must also go in deed. Embodying that message in our lives, practicing what we preach. Of course, we don't have the same authority of the 72 here. This is a specific moment in the ministry of Jesus in salvation history. But every Christian believer does go on mission with the authority to love our neighbor, to seek justice, to love mercy, and practically serve one another. And we need to really pull together as a church family at this time, right? Going into this term, going into the winter months. Let me just quickly mention now, if you don't know already, we've got a life skills course starting at the end of October run by Mary Germer on staff. Um, an excellent course for those who you know, are struggling on low income or struggling to make ends meet. And it's there to give confidence to people with this in decision-making skills and to be a community where we can support one another. It's one thing you might find helpful. Second thing, our church emergency fund for people who are struggling to just get the basic essential needs. Please take note of those two things. You might want to sign up to help on the life skills. You might want to donate to emergency fund. You might need either of those. 
We want to be a church that practically cares for one another, going in word and going in deed. Now, some of us will lean more into, the, into one of these two sides, word or deed. Maybe some of you are more leaning into the deed side. You're very loving, you're very compassionate, you're servant-hearted. You never actually tell people about Jesus. On the flip side, you might be someone who leans more to the word side. You're very happy talking about Jesus. You don't often do it in a tactful, gracious, winsome way, and people feel more like projects than people to love. So you know, you know where you lean, right? One of the two ways. Ask the Lord now to help you with that other side. So that as a church together, on mission, we are going in word and deed, inextricably linked together. And as we go in word and deed on mission, we are to expect contrasting responses. Did you notice that in the passage? In verses 8 to 9, the 72 are welcomed, but in verses 10 to 15, the 72 are not welcomed. Now, I don't know if there's any significance in the weight of the verses there. Two on welcome, six on rejection. But we do need to be realistic about these contrasting responses. I think one of the things that holds me back, you know, in my own personal mission and personal evangelism, showing my faith with others, is I just want everyone to give me a positive response. I want everyone to come to know Jesus. And so you get a negative response. You're like, oh, man, that's a bit painful. And, you know, if you get quite a severe negative response, which can happen at times, I'm tempted to think, okay, well, I'll protect myself next time and maybe hold back a little bit in the conversation. But this is just a great reminder. Here was Jesus sending out the 72 on his first mission in Luke. And he said, look, you get, some people are going to welcome you. That's great. Praise the Lord for that. Others are going to not welcome you, reject you. Totally fine. Totally normal. Wipe your feet, so to speak, and move on. Just need to get more and more used to this. Just, this is just the norm. This is the expectation. People are welcoming all the time. I mean, that's just God's just being incredibly gracious with you. So let's go faithfully in word. Let's go lovingly in deed. We're like lambs among wolves, verse 3. Did you notice? It's not going to be easy. Following me. Counting the cost. Putting me first. Going on mission. We need to go in prayer, verse 2. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, I mean, do you really believe this verse? I mean, these are, these are Jesus' words. The harvest is plentiful. I mean, I'm tempted to think it's, that the harvest is, is few. But Jesus is saying, no. Go in mission, and indeed, there will be people who welcome you. And by welcoming you, welcoming Jesus, coming into the kingdom of God. According to a recent Talking Jesus report, people are becoming disciples of Jesus Christ across the UK and Ireland every single day. This report was pre-lockdown. I bet it's even more the case post-lockdown. The research reveals that the most important people in helping others come to faith are ordinary Christians in contact with others in everyday life. I hope that is an encouragement to you. God wants to use me and you in everyday life and people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. So let's pray that we would be that sort of church sharing Jesus with others because the harvest is plentiful. Next three Wednesdays in the evening we meet all together as a church in September looking at Hope Explored, the new ministry out of Christianity Explored Ministries to equip us and give us confidence in this mission and then to go.
So the call of Jesus, the commission of Jesus, finally, the joy of Jesus. So as I said at the start, really important that we finish here because it's been pretty full on from Jesus so far. Count the cost, it's hard. Put me first above anyone or anyone else. Go on mission like lambs among wolves. And so some of you might be thinking, I'm not so sure actually. This isn't what my expectation for the Christian life was. And now I am beginning to think to myself, you know, is it really worth it? This whole Jesus thing. Well, if that is you, look with me now at verses 17 to 24. And the real joy that is ours in Jesus Christ, not just in the future, but in the present now. First, the future. Because in verse 17, at the 72 return from their, their mission trip, and they return, we're told, with joy. And they say, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Interesting, they're more excited about that, right, than people coming to faith in Jesus. Anyway, notice Jesus' response in verse 20. He says, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now here is where true, lasting joy is to be found. In Jesus Christ, and in him writing your personal name in heaven, where it can never be scrubbed out, written in indelible ink, your future absolutely secure. Jesus is not saying, follow me, follow me, count the cost, put me, no, because he's egocentric, because he loves all the attention. He says, follow me, because he knows that everything else in life comes to an end and fades and disappears. And all the things that we often, you know, seek our ultimate joy in in this life, whether, you know, ministry success like the 72 here, work success, social reputation, our beauty, our marriage, our family, these things will all disappoint, these will all let us down, looks fade, retirement comes, even the most loving, best of human relationships end in the horror of death. But a relationship with the eternal Son of God, that is the one thing that lasts forever. And he is the one person who can write your name in heaven in the book of life. So yes, it is worth it. Follow Jesus Christ. Whatever we lose for Christ in this life, whatever rejection we endure on mission, a day is coming when we will receive a welcome to end all welcomes. Well done, good and faithful servant. Today you will be with me in paradise. Beautiful, resurrected bodies that will never ache or age again. A renewed world, perfect without fear without uncertainty anymore, full of life and eternal comforts. And face to face with Jesus, 
reunited with Christian loved ones, never to be separated by death again. What a future we have in Jesus. A future the queen now enjoys because of her faith in Jesus Christ. And a future far better than what even she experienced as queen here on earth. But it is not just in the future that we have this joy. We have a joy to be experienced right now, here, today. Did you notice in verses 21 to 22 how Jesus gives us the privilege to come in into this conversation, this prayer between the Father and the power of the Spirit. We see the fullness of his joy through the Spirit because of his relationship with the Father and now invites us in to enjoy that relationship too. Verse 21, let me read it to you. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one who knows the Son, no one knows who the Son is except the Father. And no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Now, look how Jesus applies this now to his disciples in verse 23. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. And by implication, every Christian believer today. For I tell you that many prophets and kings, those are the Old Testament prophets and kings, wanted to see what you said but did not see it and to hear what you hear but did not hear. This is simply incredible. Let's make sure we've all got this. Consider Moses, the prophet Moses in the Old Testament, up Mount Sinai, receiving the Ten Commandments, the thunder, the lightning, the power, the glory. And Jesus is saying to know him is to have more of the power and majesty and glory of God in your life than even Moses. Now, take great King David, a man after God's heart, a man who wrote all these beautiful, wonderful psalms, and Jesus is saying to know him is to have more of the love, the grace, the forgiveness, this closeness and intimate relationship with God by the Spirit. You have more of that than even great King David. And you have it now by faith in Jesus Christ. Let me keep pushing this. It means there really is no greater joy in life now then walking each day with Jesus Christ who reveals the Father to us in the power of the Spirit. He invites us into the beauty of the divine relationship, Father, Son, and Spirit. And the more we know Jesus, the more we get of God, his love, his power, his mercy, his forgiveness, his grace, his strength. You know, we have that phrase when people are lost in love. I think it's often used in a negative way, isn't it? Sort of they're so focused on each other, so in love with each other, they can't see what's going on. But let me use it in a positive way. We are so overwhelmed by the love of God to us and Jesus Christ and the power of the Spirit that no matter what else is going on around us, the uncertainty, 
the anxiety, we have what really matters, this relationship with Christ. And to the depths of the relationship with the Trinity, an anchor for our soul, which will keep us going for all eternity. There is joy in Jesus now. And the more we see this, appreciate this, experience this joy of Jesus now, well, the more it will just flow out of us, like that stream, like that river. It will just come out. You're just so overwhelmed by Jesus and who he is and his love. You, you won't need to be told to go. You'll just share him. You'll just want to. You'll just do it. And that's my prayer for Jessica to be baptized her today. And that's my prayer for every single one of us today. Let me pray that for us now. Father God, we thank and praise you for the Lord Jesus Christ, for his call to follow him, whatever the cost, to put him first, the privilege of this commission to share Jesus Christ with others in word and deed, and to be reminded afresh of why this all matters, because of the future joy of having our name written in heaven in the book of life, but even now, giving a taster by your Holy Spirit for the fullness of Father, Son, and Spirit experience, relationship with you, the one from whom all other relationships flow. Fill us with that joy now that we may be streams and rivers and not reservoirs and help us to be a church that follows you and hears your commission to go. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.